Our next speaker is Morgan Nunn Martinez. Morgan Nunn Martinez is a doctoral candidate in the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry. She studies the oxygen isotopic composition of water bound in meteorites from asteroids and Mars and rock and soil samples from the moon. Tonight, she'll share how analyzing water from these ancient rocks is crucial to understanding how life evolved in our solar system and will explain the significance of these and related discoveries in our everyday lives. Please welcome Morgan Nunn Martinez. Hi, thank you all so much for being here tonight and for having me here tonight. Uh, it's a really great pleasure to be able to come and talk to you. Um, so I first came to UC San Diego about four years ago uh, after meeting my current advisor, Mark Themans, who is here with us this evening. Um, I was an undergraduate chemistry major at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, uh, and I was pretty committed to going to veterinary school, and in my final semester I needed one science elective, so I said, oh, there's this cool stellar astrophysics class, I'll take that and see what it's all about, and immediately fell in love. Uh, so I started applying to some graduate schools, looked around, um, trying to figure out a way that I could apply my passion for chemistry uh, to the extraterrestrial universe uh, and found out about cosmochemistry, which up until that point I hadn't even heard of. Uh, so cosmochemistry is the study of uh, all the matter in the universe and the processes that created those compositions um, of all that matter. Uh, and so UC San Diego uh, historically has uh, been very significant uh, in terms of advancing research in cosmochemistry. Um, some of our very first faculty members here were prominent cosmochemists uh, from Harold Urey, Stanley Miller, uh, Jim Arnold, Hans Seuss, just to name a few. Uh, so for that reason, among many others, UC San Diego is a really great place to work on cosmochemistry. Um, and so, so I met Mark. I uh, started talking to him and, and realized that his dynamic and unique, uh, really creative way of approaching science uh, was totally unlike anything I had ever seen before. Uh, and just decided there and then, I said, okay, that's, that's it. You know, there's nothing else for me. Like UC San Diego is the only place uh, I want to do research. So with that, I committed to coming to UC San Diego. Um, so my research broadly, um, I'm, I trace water through the solar system by extracting and analyzing, in terms of its oxygen isotopic composition, uh, water from extraterrestrial samples. Uh, those extraterrestrial samples are meteorites and lunar rocks that were brought back from the moon. Uh, and so our solar system uh, first condensed out of, a, uh, out of a disk of very dense gas, like this artist representation here. The bright object in the center could represent our early sun. And so generally, I'm trying to look at the compositions across our solar system today uh, in terms of the oxygen isotopes to get back to this earlier picture um, and see where those oxygen isotopes uh, came from. Uh, and so on that note as well, uh, NASA's slogan of follow the water reflects the importance uh, of understanding water, uh, where it formed, how it formed, uh, in terms of how we can uh, better understand how our solar system formed uh, and predict other places in the universe where, uh, where life could arise because of the presence of water there. Uh, so where do meteorites come from? Uh, so I said the, the extraterrestrial samples that I look at are lunar samples uh, and meteorites. 
So lunar samples came back on NASA's Apollo missions and also from the Soviet space program's lunar missions. Uh, but the meteorites all land here on Earth. And so most meteorites originate in the asteroid belt. Um, and they, they typically are produced by collisions, uh, which knock them out of their orbit and into an Earth-crossing orbit, uh, where we can end up seeing them uh, here today when they land. And so I actually have a prop for this part, so I'm going to have to ditch this for a moment. I'll be right back. So I may just be looking for excuses to show this off to you guys because I think it's pretty cool. Uh, this is a moon globe. Uh, and so you can see, let me orient this properly so it's recognizable. Uh, this here is the near, the near side of the moon that we always see. Uh, and so you can't see nearly as many craters on this side of the moon. Um, but the dark side of the moon is where you can really see uh, the abundance of collisions from, uh, from meteorites, uh, from asteroids, comets, things like that. Uh, onto the lunar surface. Uh, so I'm going to leave this here so you guys can marvel at it. <laughs> uh, so if you guys could bear with me for a moment, we're going to have a little flashback to your chemistry classes. This is actually the reason why you have your index cards here. The questions were just extra. Um, so if you guys could take your cards out and take some notes, that would be really great. Um, so to remind you, or tell you, in case you, you didn't learn this before, um, isotopes are, uh, are different atoms uh, of a given element that contain different number of neutrons, which give them different masses. Isotopes are uh, a really valuable tool for us to study samples, particularly extraterrestrial samples, uh, because those isotopes have different sources. Oxygen has three isotopes uh, that weigh mass of uh, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, and they're produced by different mechanisms. Uh, and so by measuring different uh, relative amounts of oxygen in different samples, particularly, um, particularly oxygen that's in water, uh, we can get a better idea of where that water came from uh, and where the sample came from, get information about the celestial body that sample came from originally, uh, and a little bit of information about how the solar system formed on the whole. Uh, so one of the projects that I worked on uh, was analyzing a meteorite that came from an asteroid. Uh, not the same asteroid as this one shown here, but similar in composition. Uh, and so this meteorite was called the Sutter's Mill meteorite and landed outside Sacramento last April. Uh, and this meteorite was unique uh, in the sense that it was tracked by radar as it was coming through the Earth's atmosphere. And that's the first time that that's ever happened before. Uh, and the reason that that was so valuable uh, is that all of the pieces of this meteorite, or most of them anyway, were able to be collected within 48 hours of them landing. Uh, most meteorites are found, uh, and we have approximations as to how long they've been sitting on the Earth's surface, uh, but we don't know exactly. And those meteorites are subject to weathering effects and, and can become altered. Um, so working on Sutter's Mill was a great project because now we can see really the effects of, the, of, uh, of weathering on the Earth's surface. Um, and it will also one day be a really great data set uh, to compare uh, to samples that are brought back from asteroids. Uh, so another project I worked on uh, has been extracting and analyzing water uh, that's bound in lunar samples. Uh, and so I've analyzed uh, lunar rocks that were returned on the Apollo 11, 14, and 17 missions, uh, and I found thousands of weight percent water in those. Now, some of you guys are saying, okay, that's, that's like no water, right? <laughs> it's, pre it's pretty much none. Um, thankfully for us, we have isotopes, so we don't really need whole lakes. Um, 
The, that's the power of oxygen isotopes is that uh, even those thousands of weight percent water, we can still get a good deal of information out of them. Um, and so specifically, uh, there isn't much controversy anymore about the way the moon formed. Uh, pretty much everyone agrees that the moon formed when about, when a about Mars-sized object collided with the early Earth uh, and what is now the moon broke apart. Uh, there is, however, much controversy over the source of lunar water. Um, so you can see from the surface uh, that there's been many, many collisions uh, from other meteorites or comets. Uh, and we know that water exists in those, in those impacting bodies, uh, but what we don't know is how much of the water that we are now measuring in the lunar samples came from those meteorites and those comets, how much was delivered there, uh, and how much might be retained from when the moon was part of the Earth. Um, and so that's a question that we're, that we're working on answering right now uh, and, uh, and trying to get a better picture of, uh, of the source of lunar water because of that. Uh, one more project that I'll tell you about uh, was extracting and analyzing water from a Martian meteorite called NWA7034. Uh, this project, I think, was cool because, uh, because I found more water in it, uh, an order of magnitude more water than has been found in other Martian meteorites. Uh, so up to 6,000 parts per million water. Uh, and furthermore, the isotopic composition of that water is not consistent with theories that we have right now for how Mars formed. Uh, and so it's been a really great data set as well to compare uh, because a lot of the measurements that we've made on Mars uh, from the Spirit Rover and Odyssey Orbiter data um, don't exactly match up with what we've measured before in Martian meteorites. Um, but this meteorite looks a lot more like the Spirit Rover and Odyssey Orbiter data than the other Martian meteorites that we've had, um, that we've had here on Earth before. Um, so, you know, this, this project has been, a, it's been really fun uh, and an amazing result uh, and is really causing us to go back to the drawing board and uh, rethink how Mars formed um, and work on those theories a little bit more. So why does all this matter? Why does anyone care about this? Uh, and so I would say to that uh, that cosmochemistry offers us a very, uh, a very unique way to play with science. Uh, and what I mean by that is that it's a very dynamic field. There's a lot of creativity that's required in it uh, because it's so, there's still so many big, uh, big unanswered questions uh, in space science. Um, and another thing that I keep going back to is just that it's really cool. I mean, do any of you guys not get excited talking about space science or thinking about space science? I guess if you'd say yes to that, you're probably sleeping already, so uh, that's okay anyway. <laughs> Either way, I feel that, that, uh, that inspiration and progress and research only comes naturally when you're excited, uh, and so being able to have uh, a great avenue to pursue, uh, to pursue science uh, that's so exciting to so many people um, is really beneficial. Um, so with that, I will be taking my excitement to Antarctica to go hunt for meteorites, uh, and I just found out I'm leaving in two weeks, so I have to go pack now. Uh, but thank you all so much for having me. <laughs>